You know, I've always thought it was an interview with a vampire. I never heard of it. Wait, you've never seen the Tom Cruise Brad Pitt movie? No, I didn't even know they were in a movie together. <laughs> you've for real? You yeah. you don't know about Interview with a Vampire, no. the 1994 flick with um very young uh was it Kristen Dunst? No, it was Kirsten. Yeah, Kirsten. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst, uh Christian Slater, Antonio Banderas, uh Thandy Newton. Didn't you say Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt? Uh, yeah, those are the main two. Here, this is the poster picture. You've never seen that before? Oh, I've seen the poster Yes, you've before. seen the poster before. Yeah. It's very, yeah, it's yeah. a very well-known thing. The book is super well-known as well. Fact, I know. Well, when we were watching the show, like, the intro literally said the author's name in front of it. Right? Anne Rice. Yeah, yes. Anne Rice. But yeah. when you look up, like, just on IMDb, it just says Interview with the Vampire. I was curious if it was going to be, like, Tom Clancy's, you know, oh, yeah, Tom Jack Ryan, Ryan or something yeah. like that. But, uh, yeah, so Anne Rice passed away, I think, last year in December. Um, she wrote The Vampire Chronicles starting in the 70s, 13 did she know books. The show, did, she, did she know the show was going to be made? Um, yeah, because by the time she passed away, it, it had already been, like, floated around for a long time being a TV series. And she had written and said what she wanted the TV series to look like. Mm -hmm. This is not necessarily that. But AMC got the rights from, I think, Hulu. And then they cast Jacob Anderson, Sam Reed. Actually, Roland Jones, the show's creator, also created Perry Mason, but then left as showrunner for season two to come work on this. Completely different shows. Completely different show. But Roland Jones has a track record of a lot of famous TV shows. And also, he so he wrote the pilot. But he also got the director, Alan Taylor, from Homicide to um, Lost, The Sopranos, uh, Deadwood. Uh, Generation defining shows, it seems like. Yeah, like he would just direct certain episodes of each one. Um, Oz, like Alan Taylor is a well-known director. He directed the first episode here. And then they've got Grey Worm, obviously, from Game of Thrones playing Louis. And then you have Sam Reed, who I should recognize, but I didn't because he looks so different than his character in The Newsreader. He's Australian. Oh, well, he plays okay. So <laughs> aside Anna Tor Torv um, in that Australian show that we did a long, long time yeah, ago. Yeah, right. He plays completely different, has a different accent, has different eyeballs, has different <laughs> hair. People have really praised his portrayal in this show. The only, the, per the only person I recognized was Eric Bogosian, and I was trying to figure out from where, and then I think it's only Uncut Gems I might like. Succession. The, okay, Succession as well. Talk yeah. radio. Uncut Gems, Scrubs, for me. He's been everywhere. He's got that cutting sarcasm, biting Which sense is of humor. Which is why I know we don't have to jump into it right away, but when it starts off with the Masterclass ad, I was so confused because he's famous. Like, he was obviously famous and he was doing, like, a Masterclass ad. So I was like, sure. so part of me was like, wait, like, do I have to skip something here? Like, you actually <laughs> thought... That uh, this guy was doing, it was a journalistic right. masterclass, so it wasn't like he but was... But he was saying things that, like, I, I'm sure I've seen that masterclass ad with someone who said almost word from word what he was talking about. Yeah, was, one of my favorite pros about this whole episode is that it was funny. So, yeah. like, the masterclass was hilarious to kick it off. Um, the sarcasm in the show, his character itself, in the movie... I think, because it's been a long time since I saw the movie and I never read the books. And I know that's going to like ostracize <laughs> a huge part of the people who are listening to this. Because a lot of people don't like this show who have read the book and like really remember all the details. Oh, very different. Because of what they've changed. Yeah. So uh, first of all, um, Jacob Anderson is obviously black and they've changed the storyline to kind of fit that and as part of the character. And I think the original version um, that Brad Pitt played was a slave owner. 
and also in the books. Oh, okay. now that I don't think would have been that. Like, I don't think Anne Rice would have cared too much about that. But then they also say that the characters themselves are different than they are in the books. I'm, inter- I think- I'm interested to see that because they do take some liberties, especially with Jacob Anderson or I had John DeLuke, but also Louis DeLuke. Yeah, uh, character. But we talk about anachronism all the time and how if you're going to do a historical piece, you're going to be stuck with some things that you have to kind of change to fit the narrative. But some people are saying this really doesn't work with the story I've been told or what I wanted to see. And then Roland Jones, on the other hand, says, I'm a fan of the stories. I'm not going to follow their details exactly, but I will get the overall scope of it and try to honor uh, her thing. So like, it's a lot of back and forth, but we're here to really just talk about the episode and then save our judgments and criticisms and all that stuff for what we liked and disliked about it. So we can't really fall into the camp of people who've talked about the book because we don't know the book too much. But for the movie, I think the original interview that happened was in the 70s, and that was kind of relayed here in this episode because you have, as you said, Eric Bogosian playing this interviewer. Daniel Malloy. Who um, was way younger when he originally interviewed this vampire. Mm-hmm. But that, I think, is the movie. I think that's how they're connecting. Oh, okay, yeah, because they said 49 years prior to when the interview happened. Yeah, in the book, he's younger. So people, I think, like the change that the uh, interviewer is a little bit smarter. He's a little bit older. He's an ex-heroin addict, apparently, though. That (laughs) that was a little out of the blue. But um, Well, I like like some of the things they did with Daniel's character, especially at the beginning, where I thought that he was supposed to be the main character. You know, you follow him for, like, the first 10 minutes. He's talking to his doctor, apparently. COVID exists. Oh, and he has Parkinson's too. Yeah, yeah Daniel has Parkinson's. Second show in a row we've done um, after uh, So Help Me Todd, where one of the characters has Parkinson's. Yeah. And, Weird. And you also see him like, yeah, he's doing a puzzle. He's checking his mail. Like it seemed, it seemed all just, I was pretty interested in that. And then 50 years later, that's when I realized this wasn't a documentary or a nonfiction because I didn't know what to expect. I thought maybe interview with a vampire was supposed to just kind of be like, it wasn't actually going to be an interview with a vampire. I mm-hmm. thought it was going to be like something else, but no, this is 100% science fiction. And, uh, and it's then, almost like the originals. Cause I think the originals took place in new Orleans and it, it's about yeah, the past as well. Did. So yeah, he goes in, he finds uh, Louis, who he hasn't spoken to for years since he's been bit by him. And they talk it out. Louis wants to be interviewed again. He thinks that they're older, they're wiser, they're more prepared for this this time. I know that you said that you don't remember the movie that well, but that part where he's playing the uh, interview that's 50 years old and then like Louis no, freaks out at him, that would... That... No, that's not the same. Oh, okay. Yeah, because again, the right. backstories have changed. Brad Pitt's right. character of Louis is not the same Louis that we see here, different timelines and such. And so... Then Louis launches into a story from like 1911, 1910, 1910. And he's talking about all the things that he couldn't do because of his race. And the red red light district story in Storyville. Yeah. Yeah. He says 20 blocks of just gambling and hookers and basically like that's what a red light district is. Yeah. And and apparently he's a pimp. And one of the first things we see him do is... He I mean, goes he's not just like a, a pimp, like on the street. He's he's a very, well, he's got a lot of money. Right. Because the only place he can make money and be successful is in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And his family is also successful depending on his wealth. And so he runs a lot of the businesses there, the gambling. The brothels. The, the, 
Um, yeah, he yeah he runs one brothel and then the other brothel he just goes he to likes and to visits go to. himself. Yeah, yeah, for Lily. One of the first things we see is he goes to the brothel that he owns and he's like helping a customer that's been abused by one of the hookers. I wouldn't say that his customer was abused as much as like he tried to stick his dick in her yeah. butt and then she got mad and then there was like a whole back and forth. But what was funny about that moment, another funny moment was when it, that like his blood was coming out of his head like a faucet. Like, yeah, it literally no. was just shooting out of his head. <laughs> she smashed him over the head. Like, well, I don't know if that. I think it was. Just just like one little like it's, I don't know. They, they, I normally would think of like an artery, but there's no arteries like in yeah, the, at was. the top of your head. <laughs> it was it was weird, but it was hilarious. And then uh, we also get backstory like uh, the the very next scene is we learn about his brother Paul, who is a very religious and like depressed person. I don't know if it was depression. Paul had something up with him. I I couldn't tell if it was like maybe he was slightly autistic, but he he was very yeah devout. At the same time, he had this closeness with his brother who is practicing in all these kind of like wicked ways. One thing that I was a little put off by but, is the fact that in that scene, he, because yeah. Paul, well, Paul just shows up in the red light district and starts messing with right. the clientele of like harassing them, telling them to find Jesus and such. And that upsets Louis. Yeah. So Louis has to confront his own brother and then threaten he, him. Yeah, he pulls out his cane, which is apparently a sword, and, like, puts it up to uh, Paul's ribs. The only thing that I, I understood he had I to make... I his a, neck. I think he puts it up to his neck, doesn't he? Okay, well, you might. But the thing is, is that, like, the next scene we see Paul... Or we see Louis talking about how much he loves Paul, like, how much he spends time with him. And I was like, that's still, like, kind of being put off by the scene prior. I understand he has to make a statement to all the people that are there. But still, that still seems a little off from what we were seeing previously. I mean, with Louis... Louis and Paul's relationship, sure, there is a certain amount of chaos because they grew up together. They're very close. However, like Paul is messing with his business and Paul doesn't understand that the only way that the family would be solvent, would be able to do anything is what Louis is doing. So there's that combat there. And yeah. and and uh, and that's also the time when uh, Lestat shows up. Yes. No one knows who Lestat is. He's sort of a stranger with myst mystical eyes and he's foreign. He's from, I think he says, France. And he just sees this interaction between the two brothers mm -hmm. and he gets attracted to uh, Louis. And he's like, I want to turn him into a vampire. <laughs> and then from the rest of the episode out, that's basically all he's all he's trying to do is seduce Lou, uh, Louis into becoming a vampire. Yeah, because Louis goes to the brothel that he likes. He's looking for Lily specifically. That's a woman that he's looking for. And then when he goes and he finds Lily, Lestat is there. And then yeah. he, he doesn't. Also, Louis also mentions that like he is hanging out with Lily to kind of get rid of the notion that anybody might have that he might be a homosexual right. to, to cover up for that. Right. So a lot of the fan base has talked about how like the books have always been very lgbtq plus positive because of the undercurrent theme of uh, homosexuality mm -hmm. in the books but that when it went into the movies wasn't really there as much oh, okay so now people i think roland jones in particular is saying well we're getting the show we deserve from this mm -hmm. and I, I don't think anybody has a problem with that because there is that thing in the books now if you're watching this it may be it, it's very it has a lot of homoerotic scenes. Yeah. And it, it can Especially be a little by much. the middle. Yeah. It felt if like you're not prepared it for that type of thing. Like it came out a little bit from nowhere. Yeah, I put it listed it as a con because it was just it was a lot for me yeah. to watch. But I understand there's an audience there for it and that that's what you're jumping into and that's what you, you like to see, then absolutely go for it. You we know? should also mention Grace. That's uh that's Louis' sister. She's getting married. He even does something very nicer throughout the middle of the episode where he gives her like a trip around the world or to Europe and she's he shows his 
ability to afford things. Right. Yes. But that is also after Lestat has had several scenes talking to Louis, whether they're at the opera or whether they're gambling together, where he talks to him without moving his mouth and he like freezes time. Louis doesn't seem to be that. That was the thing he was surprised by. It. I but put I that think as a con because it was so it's strange. It's not because like with vampires, and the whole idea of this is that it's a little soupy and corny and stuff right, like that. Yeah. However, Part of the whole vampire, vampiric lore is that they can hypnotize you. And so the idea that he is slightly put off, but not completely makes sense, given that like Anne Rice's book kind of wrote the novel on how to discuss vampires post Dracula. I understood the first scene where Lestat was speaking to uh, Louis and he was like almost unable to move. I, I got, like that. Scene. I, yeah, I like that. That scene was too. a poker. Scene. I like that. Well, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the first scene when he's with Lily as well, because Louis is saying oh, through voiceover that he was just unable to move when the stats talking to him the oh poker scene the poker is when scene he my freezes favorite, time because though. he literally hits the table to stop time or bring time back to thing was, and i thought it was so cool it was cool to see but the fact again that louis just he like w- was so unfazed by it You've that's seen the part Into of the shadows with yes they hypnotize people in that show that's a comedy constantly <laughs> yes but they're using vampiric lore to explain the thing like that's part of their whole thing they mesmerize people into a lulling state and then they drink their blood that's the whole point of a vampire. So he's using part of that to trick Louis into thinking, okay, well, this is this is comfortable. I like this. And then by the end of the episode, when everything goes to shit and hell, um, <laughs> and Lestat is pulling out priests from the cupboard and just okay, drinking them that, dry. That face scene where he punches the okay, priest. Okay, we're jumping ahead. Yeah, but I want, okay, we'll Okay, we're on. jumping ahead. Okay, so Louis at some point decides he's going to show off his new friend Lestat to his family. Yes. And this is before uh, his sister's wedding, Louis's sister's wedding. And Paul sees Lestat for the first time. And I thought this interaction was also pretty good because Paul is like the one person who's a little weird, who obviously uh, is very devout uh, in in his religious beliefs. And so was Anne Rice. She had a conflict in her, like she was agnostic for a while, but she was raised religious. And then later on, she went back to religion. And so like it was was kind of written in her books that way. But Paul is able to notice that there's something very wrong with Lestat. And Lestat tries to get... He like starts going into his hypnosis mode again with right. the, with Paul to try to like intimidate him, but Louis prevents that because he he loves his brother and also Paul being able to tell that something was wrong with this guy is almost supernaturally he was gifted almost. I know sense. I know they're different characters, they're different stories. I know that Daniel Kaluuya didn't take it the wrong way in Get Out, but that dinner scene reminded me a lot of the begin uh, one of the beginning scenes of Get Out where they're all having dinner together yeah. and then like the brother of that family starts going off on Daniel Kaluuya. About, well, he wanted like, to wrestle him, didn't he? In right. The, in yeah, Get yeah, Out. wrestle him. But I'm saying that like the tone and also just like the feeling of like oh this oh, is the awkward instant anger like yeah. it seemed like it was an innocent question and then it turned into something right i just like that paul was trying to look out for for the family mm-hmm. in his in his weird way and almost a, he almost did you save understood him yeah 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 i thought it was good um i also like that louis defended his brother at the time because later on when he's talking to daniel it seems like he's very cold yeah. his persona is off yeah they did intersplice the like some the future storyline in some segments i felt like that was a little bit unneeded I felt like they weren't really adding much whenever they did that. I I liked seeing Daniel's character question some things, though. I didn't mind the back and forth because I felt like they were trying to 
present you this world, which mm-hmm. they did. Storyville is beautiful. They yeah. had to recreate it because it got burnt down during the Great Depression. And they actually used some of the places that Anne Rice was thinking about or talking about in her books, yeah. the exteriors, to like film these things. Oh, but they had to create the interior. I should mention, it was yeah. Like movie quality. This, no, yeah, movie quality definitely reminded me a little bit of Godless, the setting, because of like the blocking buildings and it like reminded the me Western. Of the Gilded Age, actually, with how fancy some things were and how much effort that the costume designing and all that did with it. Yes. But Gilded Age got criticism because some people said they spent too much time on that and less on the dialogue. And for some scenes that did drag on for a while, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, this is a spectacle. It's cool to watch, Mm -hmm. but I'm not exactly sure what the dialogue is trying to tell me. Like, there's only so many scenes where the same thing can happen, where right. where Louis can talk about how he just felt like he was being hunted. <laughs> no, I agree with that, but I'll also say, yeah, uh, The Gilded Age because of the costumes. A little bit of Masterpiece Theater in there, PBS feel sometimes. Hmm. Lovecraft Country, kind of obvious because of Race of Monsters. And then I haven't seen True Blood, but I feel like there's some, like, form or fashion of, like... Interview with the Vampire, again, led to almost all of what we would consider current so it's more like day. true blood was like kind of inspired yeah. by interview also the vampire. the vampire characters in the, her books are allegorical symbols of like social alienation and stuff mm-hmm. so you're probably seeing cur- concurrent themes that you see in a bunch of stuff not to mention amc um I, it has this but they also have uh ann rice's other works which she did like uh, mayfair witches and they brought up mayfair witches when uh louis is talking to his sister and saying you should go join the mayfair witches yeah. and i was like oh well that's her other and alexandra daddario is going to be in that series because they're already green, greenlit that one. And they've already... Uh, right, because they, they said this was going to be like a monster universe or something like that, right? I don't know if they're making a full universe out of it, but I do know that they've already renewed this for another season. I wonder if they're going to keep the same sets for May, Mayfair uh, Witches. That'd like, be could they share sets? <laughs> save some money that way? Oh, oh uh, one of the things that I also want to point out is the director and um, uh, Roland Jones, that they both shared Boardwalk Empire in their resumes. So they're very used to doing period yeah, pieces. That makes that makes sense. Yeah, and it wasn't only that. I just didn't write down all their full thing. Cause but then, the, and Perry Mason, of course, was in the past as well. Right. Yeah. And, but midway through the episode, Louis, Lestat, and Lily, this is where, like, I think the whole entire story changes. It ends up being that they have a three-way. And basically, Less of a three-way, more of a Lily go to sleep. We're going to have these two guys hang out naked together and then suck blood. And it, it was it was it strange because Lestat, he sucks blood, but apparently that doesn't turn you into a vampire right away. Like it, No, so I think the, the official way that you turn into a vampire in most of these things is that you need to be close to death. You need to have vampire blood in your system. So <laughs> the vampire has to have given you blood as well. And then you die. And as long as the vampire blood is in your system, it kickstart you into waking up as a vampire. Right. And yeah. then like, I don't know what happens once Louis ha- turns into a vampire, but we're going to see next episode because that's kind of how he ends up in this episode. But, but, but first, he has his sister's wedding. Everything seems to be going well. I like the tap dancing scene. The tap you dancing did? scene was one of my some favorites. People, some people thought it was too cliche or too like... Uh, where we got to include an African-American doing a tap dance type scene. I mean, I like the I following like scene. I, I don't disagree with you. It yeah. was still a cool scene, but like, I like the following one where he drags Paul up onto the roof and they're both like, it seems like a nice sunrise. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand is why Paul then jumps off the roof. I tried so hard to put that in. in su- why did Paul kill himself? I think he- that's where when I said he was depressed earlier, that's why I put it there. Because I think that they were trying to show that not only is he religious, but also he's just very depressed. And I that think- was just a, a segment of that. I mean, then Lily also died, but Lestat killed her, mm-hmm. even though he had seemed like he was friendly towards her. Right. So Lestat's whole argument of like, I'm only going to kill bad people. It just goes out the window. This guy's just an asshole who's got a sneaky, powerful gift and is very seducive to whoever he likes. But 
the thing that scares me is I think that Paul may have also been brainwashed or mined like Lestat might have gone into his head as well and planted that seed. And that's why he killed himself before Maybe. he fell into any sort of trap like Louis is about to. Because his mom, because his mom. But it's so tragic. Yeah. Because I was like, this, I don't know. Either it, way, Louis's mom is really mad at him that she didn't stop Paul from jumping off the roof. Like he um, could have. Because I mean, apparently if you commit suicide, terror, you're going to go to, straight to hell. Like there's no And it's more way. that Paul knew that too. Yeah. Yet he still did it. So yeah. that makes me think it couldn't have been on his own volition. And yet he had to make sure that, like, the last things he said was that he'd make sure that Louis was in the right place. Right. That he wasn't going to back to see Lestat, that he was going to get married, that he was going to have a happy life. And then he could finally, like, kill himself. Yeah. It was like he was torturing himself. Yeah, I don't know. That was sad. They follow that up with uh, Louis having basically a panic attack, uh, a crisis because Lestat is now completely in his head just haunting him, calling him, saying, you have to come to me and blah, 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 yeah. blah. And so instead of going to him, he goes to the, the this is the finale part, yeah. but like he goes to the church and he starts confessing his sins. And for Right, us, because at the funeral, he just, he can't concentrate. That's how much Lestat is in his head. Yeah, but, but yeah. Lestat is 100% doing that on purpose. Right, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So then he goes to the church, he tries to speak to one of the priests, and then who like, we've seen throughout the episode, nice guy. Yeah, seems like he's a he, he he would understand even when Louis admits to sleeping with another guy. Mm -hmm. And then like when he was just talking about how he's had sex with the devil or blah, 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 blah. Then then you you can kind of understand where it's going. You see the other half. <laughs> everything starts shaking. You see the priest. Get well, the priest out says the, yeah, the priest says something halfway through. And I feel like the priest must have seen Lestat at that moment because the priest says <laughs> I'll something be with like, you in a minute. Down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of dealing with something. So, here. yeah. And then Lestat, he ends up uh, sucking the blood from the priest. And then there's another priest, my favorite part of the episode, uh, that tries to run away. It, it turns into a full action-packed movie. Just, well, just, well, first it goes slow motion on you, which right. I liked again because it showed the priest in slow motion running while Lestat could walk fully at just slow speed. Yeah, they were, they were showing. They were Lestat showing, yeah. was in full like makeup. He looks scary as hell yeah. um, because you would not want that guy. <laughs> Who has blood all over his face? Who has the fangs out? Yeah. yeah. And the priest gets to the door barely, and what happens? Just he puts his whole entire fist through the priest's face. Like yeah, it literally blood like and a, gore and all just straight through. Like a meat pie. <laughs> like just yeah, yeah. <laughs> one punch man. It, it was, and then the priest just dropped dead. Yeah. Um, I mean, how could you not? There was no way he was his brain. Be able to <laughs> his brain completely <laughs> turned to meat pudding. Um. And so then Lestat turns around and then he has to, again, convince Louis to become a vampire with him. Yeah, I was like, oh, I was okay with the character's choices up until that point where I was like, okay, no, I don't feel like Louis and Lestat, like Lestat would not be able to convince Louis at this point. I would give the show props here and say that it was a pro that I didn't expect it to become such an action-y, like, finale. Mm -hmm. Halfway, or to all, all the way up till that point, I was like, okay, so this is going to be sort of slow, where it's going to lull you, like you are the person, like you are, Louis, into this sense of just, like, slow-moving tale. But no, it, it stepped up at the very end there, yeah. and that was that was very bloody. And then at the very end, he does sell Louis on this idea that he should join him in being all powerful and having all these supernatural Louis gifts. Turns into a vampire, basically. And that's where we sort of leave it. Is there a cliffhanger that I'm not remembering? No, and that's also one of the cons I had because I did like the first episode. I thought it was good, but the, but there's no intrigue for me to watch like the rest of the show. I feel like at this point, I know how he became a vampire. What else is there left? Oh, oh. Okay, so in the movies, Kirsten Dunst is playing this 10-year-old who's also a vampire who then adds a very famous scene where she's like, 
making out with Brad Pitt. <laughs> because because in the book it's about like how she's ever she's ever stuck in a ten year old's body, right? And how tragic that is. And so they tried to ageify they ageified her up in this, but you haven't seen her yet. She's played by someone who's nineteen who's actually playing fourteen. Part of the reason I completely understand this change is that Roland Jones didn't want to have to deal with like the child laws of how long they could have someone on set. Yeah, and so right. by casting someone who's post-puberty like you don't have run the risk of one season done and then suddenly they're way older and you have to explain how a vampire is aging the one yeah. thing they're not supposed to do yeah so i that really I, I don't have a problem with that even though we didn't see her character yet but there's a lot of places where this story has to go this was just the initial thing I and think, this is a long episode too it's like it's hour and 10 minutes yeah it's like 70 yeah. minutes all in all though um, are there any like pros or cons that we didn't get to? I, I like the lantern flipper. There's a scene where we get a guy who just like turns off the lights in the town yeah. at night. And that just seemed like such a kind of unique perspective because we don't have those anymore. And we haven't since like electricity became a really, he dies at the very end of that scene. Sure. But like, <laughs> I like the lantern flips. Yeah, no, no, that was cool. Uh, I, like I said, there are cons for this show, but overall the production design, the acting, especially from Jacob Anderson, I really like his acting. I think that he like fully embraced the role. He is not. Nothing like Grey Worm. <laughs> Nothing at all. Um, and I probably won't continue watching, but to anyone who likes like old time, olden time monster stories, I think this is going to be right up their alley. I think I definitely recommend the show to someone like that. Mm -hmm. There are moments where it feels like it's kind of over pushing the, the political like idea of it. Like when he said you people like it, yeah. back to the guy who was being racist to him, I was like, well, that seems very current. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're taking me out of the story just a bit when you're doing something like that. Hollywood Reporter called it Queer Forward, which again is part of the book. So that's less of a criticism. Right. Um, and uh, and overall, it kind of went like a sine wave to me. There was at the beginning, I really liked that intro with Daniel. Then we didn't yep. see him at all. And there was like kind of a slow uh, introduction of the characters. But then as we really got to understand them and then there was Paul's death and everything, by, by that time I was up again also with the little stats cool like uh time distillation yeah. time fracturing like power or whatever that would be cool to have i, I, mean, I, I, I mean, there's a lot Quicksilver. of things that vampires it's it's, it's basically like quicksilver yeah. almost yeah. i mean they should give some soundtrack in the background and then have them just like running <laughs> up the walls and stuff that'd be cool to see <laughs> That'd be so stupid. All right. But overall, I'll give the show probably a seven. I won't continue watching it. I understand those who are critical of it. If you've read the books, they have all the right to be. Um, and if you but if you're going into it like new, it's it's a very well done production. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it has a little bit of pilotness to it. But like overall, I, I like it. And uh, but but I just don't have the time to continue watching it. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What, what oh, yeah. No, I, I, I push a seven out of ten. So we both yeah. agree. Seven out of ten. Yep. Uh, the book sold over 100 million copies, which is insane. Yeah. Um, and that's why, like, every review that I was reading, I would go to the comments and I was just overwhelmed with how many people have actually read the source material. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised by that because most of the things that we do when we're like, oh, well, this was inspired by this book. It's like most people don't have any yeah. idea about what that book is. No, these people were like right on top of it. And IMDb only has it at like a 6.5 because some of the scathing reviews are talking about the differences. Did they get, get review bombed? No, but that's what I'm saying. It's like the ones that are review bombing it are not just like, I hate it because it's changed one thing that I haven't actually read about. These people are really into the books. They oh, okay. love the books. Well, that'll be it for this. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. See you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.